Millions of Americans are thinking, planning, and scheming about how to stretch a 24-hour day into an endless and productive workday, an endless loop of useful time. How can you best survive and lead under pressure? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gabriela Cora. Dr. Cora is president of the Executive Health and Wealth Institute, an international consulting firm based in Miami. Her expertise in crisis management and managing work and life inspired her to design a powerful program assisting executives and corporations in leading under pressure, providing for effective strategies to maximize peak performance and productivity while maximizing health and wellness. Dr. Kara is a board-certified psychiatrist, trained mediator, and she has an MBA with a major in health administration and policy. Dr. Kara lectures in the School of Management at University of Miami. She is also the author of Leading Under Pressure. Welcome. Thank you so very much for the invitation. It's such a pleasure. Gabriella, your your uh, resume is really quite impressive, and this is a problem that so many of us face in our lives. But just how big of a problem is the pressure that we all face? You know, this is so interesting for us as physicians who treat other people, physicians, for us trying to lead successful lives, for us to try to help our family members lead successful lives. We're dealing with this amount of pressure that is only increasing more and more as we're supposed to be competing to achieve higher goals, but many of us end up having less resources to achieve those higher goals. So the bottom line is we're trying to lead under pressure with a lot of difficulty. Right. So what kinds of issues do your clients come to you complaining about? The most important pitfalls that I usually see are first responding to every need as if it were absolutely necessary when there's actually a choice. It's like when a physician faces being in an ER and needs to tend to the needs of someone who may need CPR, that may be a one-time deal. But if that physician is responding to 10 events that are happening at the same time as if they were an emergency, they would then burn out and exhaust their energy. So one of the most common things that I see is exactly that, people responding to every need as if it were absolutely necessary when there is actually a choice. A second point that I usually see is people trying to create impossible deadlines, impossible expectations. So, for example, instead of people giving themselves a little bit of time or a little bit of flexibility, they're trying to do it all at once, and that creates additional pressure. The third one that I see quite a bit is people trying to continue to go on to their next level of productivity and performance, but they don't even take a break to just enjoy their success. So the feeling there is also that there is a lot of pressure trying to go on to the next level instead of just staying a little bit in the here and now and just enjoying the moment, giving themselves a pat on the shoulder, and trying to just have a great time for that success that they very well deserve. So much of this, though, is, I think, why we are successful, (laughs) that we don't take breaks. We have ridiculous expectations, but we usually meet them. And we always are available in case of emergency, whether it's really an emergency or not. So how do we unlearn these behaviors that have been ingrained in us since, since you know, we left training? I believe the difference is as long as you're enjoying everything that you're doing and you feel pretty much in control of your timing, and if you really feel like you want to relax, you can do it, 
then that should be a barometer that we should use in terms of saying, you know, I'm doing quite well. I'm busy, and sometimes I need to stretch myself a little bit. I may need to run a couple of sprints that I may not have anticipated, but overall, I'm really feeling well. And I think that is a huge barometer. In contrast with seeing folks who are, like, running all the time, when you ask them how they're doing, you see the stress coming out of their eyes. Okay, Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you ask them, are you doing okay, and all they're talking about is all their problems or how they're struggling or how now they have a larger pile, then that should be a barometer for people to realize that maybe there's something wrong that needs to be taken care of. Well, that makes sense. But where do you start? (laughs) You know, it seems like everybody depends on us. Uh, How can we do this without letting our patients and our families and our staff and our, our colleagues down? The toughest thing is to realize that to get started, we have to try to implement effective strategies in our everyday lives. So, you know, creating something during a critical time or an emergency is really not the best. You need all those processes and procedures for that emergency time, you know, to be dealt with ahead of the game. You cannot just try to resolve something in the spur of the moment when there's a huge crisis. So the thing that, or or the strategies that I've found to be most helpful are those that are implemented on a regular basis. And you're completely right. Physicians are really notorious about not necessarily taking great care of themselves. It's much easier for us to tell other people what they should be doing, and we may not be doing what we preach. So that's the first step that I usually do suggest, particularly when, in general, when people come in to see me, there are, have already been issues that they do not feel that they have been able to resolve. So that's the first thing that I would say. You know, try to make sure that you are able to balance everything on a daily basis with the simplest things, and then try to create plans for those times of crisis, for those times that you're not going to be able to control as well. The analogy that I usually use is that we're constantly running a marathon. Our time is always in movement. It's not like we're resting between matches. You know, it's not like we're playing tennis. We play tennis and then we can rest a day or two. We're constantly moving. And then the other part is to really prepare ourselves to run the sprints whenever we need to run those sprints. So we have to be able to get our metabolic um, output higher on a regular basis to then be able to run those sprints in a better way. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is psychiatrist and consultant, Dr. Gabby Carr. So, Gabby, you you wear a lot of hats. You're a consultant, an author, a psychiatrist, a mother, a wife. How how do you do it? You know, and and that's been one of the most exciting things that have happened in my life. It's like, in a way, I feel I have all this scientific background, having learned, you know, everything about depression and anxiety disorders. But most of all, you know, a lot of these things in terms of how to put it together – you kind of learn as you go. You can take all the tips, all the strategies from everyone else, but you really have to see how you can put them inside of and and make them fit into your life puzzle, so to speak. So in, in my case, what happened was by the age of 24, when I graduated as a physician, I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. 
so graduating from medical school was uh, was an interesting event. I, I would slept say. Uh, very little uh, to be able to juggle it all. And it was very clear in my mind that I wanted to both be a successful professional as well as a successful spouse and mother. Wow. So medical school with two little kids. So let's say hypothetical physician who's stressed out and overextended comes to you for help. Where do you start? I usually start off by trying to ask them what their daily life looks like. And I also try to ask them what they really do enjoy doing. And at times I think what shocks them is when they come in, it is hard for some to share with me what it is that they do enjoy doing because they are obviously are not doing it by the time they come to see me. So sometimes it's trying to rediscover what it is that motivates them as a physician, as a person, as a spouse, as a mother, as a father, as a, as a parent, and trying to find that energy that feeds them into being able to do what they really love to do. So as you know, there are many physicians who love their practices, and there are many other physicians who have decided to shift or change the nature of their practice so that it would fit in a nicer way what really motivates them about being physicians, for example. So sometimes, honestly, it really gets started with refining that essential piece of what it is that makes each person unique and so that you can find each person's fuel of energy, so to speak. And how successful are you typically when you do see physicians with these issues? In general, I would say that the success is pretty high because, again, you know, whenever you have someone who's already made the decision to come in and see you, it looks like they may have already tried other things. And particularly whenever someone decides to see the psychiatrist, they may have already addressed their issues somewhere else. They may have already changed their diet. They may have already changed the way they exercise. They may have already changed, you know, some other aspects of their life. Sometimes it is an issue about people just being sleep-deprived or people flying back-to-back and not being able to just recover their energy level with sleep. So sometimes those are the things that I would look at to try to figure out what's going on. Sometimes what I really try to do quite a bit is to try to help people align their individual value system with the value system within the organization. So, for example... Let's say that someone really values taking time seeing patients, okay? Let's say that someone really loves to spend a good half hour with a patient. But let's say that the institution where they're working in asks for them to see a patient every five minutes. So initially, you may not necessarily see what the problem is because the person may be performing okay. The person may be seeing a patient every five minutes. But on the other hand, if that doctor went into medicine because they did want to relate to that patient and be able to converse, and that need is not being fed, then there is a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is as simple as trying to find those things. Some people know what the problem is. Some other people have not had the time to look at what the problem is because they're too busy. Right, right. (laughs) So sometimes it's really just being able to just take the time and relate what's going on and then trying to put everything together. So there's different ways in which I try to address this. But a lot of what I work with is with what I call individual and organizational health. And it's really to try to tie and match 
what is important to the person within their value system with what is important to their organization. I was wondering if physicians or organizations were interested in your services, how they can get in touch with you. Thank you. The best way to get in touch with me is to visit our website via www.executivehealth.com. Okay, and all of this sort of information and your contact information is in there? All the information is there, you know, including emails and and ways of contacting us and phone numbers. Fantastic. Well, I hope some of you that are stressed out uh, out there listening will take advantage of this wonderful resource. And thank you so much, Dr. Karaf, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. We've been discussing how to deal with the pressures in our busy lives. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.